0: Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Thursday, April 2nd. It's no longer April Fool's Day. I am Kyle Hilliard. Hey, here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Gearbox employees are disputing bonuses related to Borderlands 3. After being announced years ago, we finally know what Spy Jinx is from J.J. Abrams and Epic Games. Sea of Thieves and Fallout 76 are coming to Steam. There are a few more April Fool's Day pranks to talk about, even though I know it is April 2nd. And I have almost finished Half-Life Alex. Promised bonuses for Borderlands 3 developers much lower than initially promised. Gearbox, the studio behind the Borderlands series, pays its employees in an interesting way. This is all coming from a report from Jason Schreier from Kotaku, but... Apparently, Gearbox employees take lower salaries in exchange for the opportunity to receive large bonuses based on the financial success of its games. In his article, Schreier writes, Royalties from all of the developers' games are split 60-40, with 60% going back into the company and its owners, while 40% is distributed to employees in the form of quarterly bonuses. This system has been in place since Gearbox's inception, and when the company has big hits, it can be lucrative. When 2012's massive Borderlands 2 came out, many Gearbox workers made enough money to buy houses, a fact that the studio often touted while recruiting new employees. The issue that Schreier is reporting on here, though, is that the bonuses that were supposed to be handed out after the release of Borderlands 3, a game that publisher 2K has said is on track to set lifetime sales records for the series, is much lower than expected. According to three anonymous sources from Schreier, Gearbox's co-founder and boss Randy Pitchford told employees the game ended up being more expensive than expected, and also reportedly said during the meeting, and this is quoting Schreier's story and not a Pitchford quote directly, that, quote, if they weren't happy with the royalty system, they were welcome to quit, according to those who were in the meeting. Gearbox did offer a statement to Kotaku that reads, Borderlands 3 represents an incredible value to gamers and an incredible achievement by the team at Gearbox Software. Our studio is talent-led, and we believe strongly in everyone's sharing and profitability. The talent at Gearbox enjoys participation in the upside of our games. To our knowledge, the most generous royalty bonus system in AAA. Since this program began, Gearbox Talent has earned over $100 million in royalty bonuses above and beyond traditional compensation. In the most recent pay period, Gearbox Talent enjoyed news that Borderlands 3, having earned revenue exceeding the largest investment ever made by the company into a single video game, had officially become a profitable video game, and the talent at Gearbox that participates in the royalty bonus system has now earned their first royalty bonus on that profit. Additionally, a forecast update was given to the talent at Gearbox that participates in the royalty bonus to set expectations for the coming quarters. Gearbox is a private company that does not issue forward-looking statements to the public, but we do practice transparency within our own family. This whole situation is complicated, and based on contractual obligations, and while it is absolutely disappointing to the Gearbox employees who participate in the studio's royalty program, I mean, it's entirely possible that it all lines up appropriately with the contracts that were signed. But there is no denying that Gearbox, and specifically Randy Pitchford, have, in the past, been involved in questionable situations that definitely make you raise an eyebrow and wonder how finances are being handled in the studio. Pitchford has been involved in lawsuits with former Gearbox attorneys, one of which claimed he collected a $12 million bonus allegedly collected from the 60% company side of the 60-40 split. And then there is that whole situation where Pitchford accidentally left important company documents on a flash drive at medieval times. Wherever the situation ultimately leads, I hope those employees who were expecting larger bonuses from their work on Borderlands 3 are appropriately compensated for their efforts. You can check out the full Kotaku story in the show notes for the episode, and you should. It's interesting. J.J. Abrams and Epic's Spy Jinx has finally been unveiled. Back in 2015, about a month before the release of Star Wars Episode VII, The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams' production company, Bad Robot, and Epic Games' studio, Chair, announced a partnership to release a game called Spy Jinx. At the time, it was planned for release the following year, 2016. There was the title, some notable people involved, but that is about all that has been known about the game for the last five years. But yesterday, Epic quietly published a handful of blog posts about the game and explained how it will be going into beta soon. Epic describes the game on its website, writing, Epic Games and Bad Robot Games presents Spyjinx, Set in a secret world of espionage, thrilling heights, and crazy gadgets, Spyjinx is a unique mix of action strategy gameplay, RPG character development, and head-to-head multiplayer. It's a mobile game where you apparently build and design your own base and customize it to prevent others from stealing from you. You also build your own squad of agents that you can send out into the world to steal from others. It sounds a lot like Clash of Clans, but with a spy theme. The game is going into beta on iOS first in Malaysia, and then it will come to Australia and then expand from there. There is a link in the show notes where you can go sign up for the beta to be alerted. When it goes live, I'm honestly a little disappointed with the basic premise of the game, even though I really love the title. Spy Jinx is a fantastic title. I withhold full judgment until I get a chance to play, obviously, but with its Clash of Clans inspiration, I'm guessing it is going to be a manipulative, free to play game. I was hoping for something more unique and exciting from the co creator of Lost and the game makers behind Fortnite and Shadow Complex. I signed up for the beta as maybe playing it whenever it's available will reveal it to be something exciting. But after waiting so long to learn what this thing was going to be and learning that it is a mobile game that might play a bit like Clash of Clans, I have to admit, I'm underwhelmed. Sea of Thieves and Fallout 76 are coming to Steam. Rare announced early this morning that Sea of Thieves, the pirate simulation game, is coming to Steam. Rare said in a tweet, Anchor up, sales down, and full at Steam ahead. While we don't have a date to share just yet, we're thrilled to announce that Sea of Thieves is coming to Steam soon. You can wishlist it now so that you're ready to add it to your hoard as soon as possible. And then there is a link to the game's Steam page, which is already live. Sea of Thieves is already fully playable on PC, but this is interesting because it's just another sign that Microsoft is getting less and less stingy with what platform its games appear on. The publisher just seems totally uninterested in exclusives anymore, which is great for us as consumers. We just want to play the games, and as long as Microsoft is still getting paid by people playing the game, why should they care where it's being played? I actually played a lot of Sea of Thieves and reviewed it for Game Informer when it came out. I gave it a 7 in 2018, but I do think the game has only improved over time. It's one of those games that's kind of hard to recommend to a casual player, but I do think it is rewarding for groups of players that are eager to go all in on the pirate simulation. The thing that has always just disappointed me about it, and I've even talked to Rare about it on a few occasions, is there really isn't a sense of progression. There are no RPG elements to give you a sense of growth, which they've said is in place on purpose to make sure all players or on a level playing field, which I totally understand and absolutely makes sense, but it just makes all your goals kind of self-directed, and it is very easy for random players to totally interrupt and destroy your self-directed goals, which does make it a realistic pirate simulator, but not always a fun video game. In any case, I am glad it's coming to Steam. It's always good news when popular games jump to other platforms, so more people can check them out. Also, On the game's coming to Steam news front, Fallout 76, a game I embarrassingly assumed was already on Steam, is coming to the PC game distribution platform on April 14th, which is when Fallout 76 Big Wastelanders expansion releases, which most notably adds human NPCs to Fallout 76's world, which was one of the main complaints about the game when it first released. That and, you know, all the bugs. Bethesda is actually offering the Steam version of the game for free to players who already bought the game through the Bethesda.net launcher, which is very nice of them. Though you do have to connect your Bethesda account to your Steam account, which can be done with links that are found in the blog post announcing the Steam launch, which is in the show notes. From the blog post, please note you will not be able to transfer your Atoms or Fallout First membership balance between Bethesda.net and Steam. Additionally, atoms you earn are specific to one platform or the other. However, items you have purchased through the Atomic Shop will be available in both Bethesda.net and Steam. One final note here about Fallout 76. If you buy Fallout 76 between April 14th and 28th, either through Bethesda's launcher or through Steam, you get a free copy of the Fallout Classic Collection, a bundle that includes Fallout 1, 2, and Tactics, which is also nice. Fallout Classic Collection will also be given to those who own the game through the Bethesda launcher who redeem their free Steam copy, so it's just a nice bonus. They should really release that Fallout Collection on Switch. The Switch is weirdly becoming a good home for classic PC games. I'd like to see Fallout on there. I think Bethesda just really wants people to play Fallout 76. It had a really rough launch. I was there at the launch, and I was one of the people gritting their teeth and saying, this is not great, but they've added a lot to it. It's found its audience. I think it was a financial success, even if it wasn't a critical success. And I think it's starting to find its footing. I think the Wastelanders update is going to bring in a lot of new people. I'm, I'm interested in checking it out again, especially since Wastelanders is going to be free. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. Here are a few more April Fool's Day pranks from yesterday. For Honor, whose 2019 April Fool's Day joke added hundreds of rabbits to the game, this year shrunk everyone. So all the soldiers were miniature, and they had tiny little voices too. It was strange, and it was kind of like Overwatch's googly eyes. It's the kind of April Fool's Day gag I really like. I'm not sure if it's still live or not, so you might just have to look up you know, people playing it on YouTube from yesterday. Warframe released a trailer for Morframe, a fake lifestyle channel supposedly meant to exist within the world of Warframe that features cooking shows, live streamers, and other weird things. I'm not a Warframe player myself, but I assume the video is full of all kinds of inside jokes for the community. The official Minecraft YouTube channel released a weird video promoting Snapshot 20w14 Infinity that lets players explore unlimited Minecraft dimensions which are filled with weird things. This one is a very strange one. Wargaming added a weird mode to World of Tanks that lets players control normally stationary turrets as movable tanks. The video announcing the joke mode is expectedly weird, as these stationary turrets without wheels just kind of glide around the map, shooting at each other. It was overall a slow year for April Fool's pranks, which I suppose is expected, considering everyone's state of mind as well as the availability of employees who could even craft these kinds of weird jokes. But there were still definitely some fun ones out there. You can listen to yesterday's episode of the podcast to hear about others. Here's what released today. My friend Pedro, a 2D violent action shooter that feels a little reminiscent of Max Payne, is out today on PlayStation 4. It's been out on other platforms for a little while. I played it on Switch last year. It's a neat game. From the press release announcing the PS4 launch, it reads, This Arrival includes my friend Pedro's Code Yellow update as well, which means there are 14 modifiers and a few bonus options to mess with in between living out your best John Wick-esque moments. And then Curious Expedition, a pixelated roguelike RPG about exploration in the late 19th century, is out today on Switch. That's it for gaming news today. I played more Resident Evil 3 last night. I'm still enjoying it. I had my first major fight with Nemesis that involved a lot of fire. Nemesis is a scary guy, no doubt, but I think Mr. X from Resident Evil 2 actually creeps me out a lot more. Nemesis is this scary, grimy monster, but I think the thing about Mr. X was that he almost seemed borderline normal and clean cut, which just made him creepier. I'm still playing Half-Life Alex too. I'm very near the end, chapter 10 of a supposed 11 chapters. I could make the argument that I have played more Beat Saber at this point in terms of hour count, but Alex definitely feels like the longest VR game I have ever played, and I mean that as a sincere compliment. I was curious before release if it would be a shorter game to account for, you know, shorter VR play sessions, but that is not the case. This is a full Half-Life game. I have played a lot and it feels like a full Half-Life campaign comparable to Half-Life 2. I had my issues getting the game up and running, but you know, it was running and I was okay, only stuttering here and there, but I hit this point where I was fighting these two new to Half-Life creatures simultaneously. Up to that point, I had only been fighting one at a time, but It got really intense it was probably the most moving around and action i had experienced up to that point and i ended up getting super nauseated just because of the occasional stuttering i have played enough vr to not really get nauseated anymore but i got hit really hard i had to take off the headset and sit down for a few minutes with my eyes closed it was enough that it made me just decide that i needed to upgrade my video card because I just wasn't going to be able to take the stuttering anymore. It was clearly making me sick, so I was able to upgrade and things have literally been going a lot smoother now. No more nausea, fingers crossed. We'll see if there's an insane, you know, big action sequence at the end that makes me throw up. I'm thinking there won't be, but you never know. As I near the end, it is starting to get really exciting in terms of story, especially for someone like me who really likes the story and World of Half-Life. I am very excited to see what happens at the end of the game now and how it leads into half-life 2 if you have corrections or just feedback in general feel free to send me tweets or dms to either at kyle m hilliard or at gaming ride home or you can send me an email at kyle at ridehome.info and please review the podcast i would be very appreciative of you if you did that you can also check out my twitch account kyle impersonator i'm still making my way through black mesa the remake of half-life i'm really enjoying it when i finish it it's going to be one of those games where i'm like ah I was having a good time. I don't I don't want to quit yet. You can also find me on the Min Max show for more long-form video game discussion and I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.